following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Broadcasting from deep inside the forests of Arborea, welcome to Flash Gordon Minute. Presenting your hosts, survivors of the Wood Beast Trial, Brad and Eric. It is minute 105 of Flash Gordon. Eric, how are you doing this evening? Uh, my power is fading, Brad. The show's almost finished. I think I need some jewelry. Well, I, I know, uh, you know, even though we're both tired, uh, what can really help us just feel energized for those last few minutes is our fantastic guest. Eric, who do we have with us tonight? Yeah, we have got an incredible guest this week. Boy, uh, we, we, it was tough for Brad and I to keep the lid on this person and, and not uh, just go crazy. It's, oh my God, Brad, we forgot to book a guest. What? There's, there's no guest. I, it, but, oh, God. Is this what my parents felt like when me and my sister moved out of the house? It's just us. <laughs> when was the last time we had a conversation where it was just you and me? Uh, it was like minute five or something like that. Oh, this is going to get awkward. So, uh, hey, hey, how you doing? Uh, okay. Uh, boy, it's kind of empty and quiet in here, huh? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess, I guess we should talk about this. Oh uh, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk yeah, about yeah, the movie. Talk about yeah. The movie. Okay. Let's talk. Yeah, okay. Well, what happens in minute one oh five? Well, uh, Ming's power is indeed fading, and Flash has got the upper hand uh, with the sword. And I mean, Ming commits suicide. Basically, uh, he 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 instead of trying one last ditch attack at Flash, we discussed this last week. Uh, you know, why why did he not? try to use the ring one last time on Flash. Instead, he just points it at himself and sucks himself up into it, and the ring kind of floats there for a second, and then, boom, he's gone. Ring drops to the ground. It's over. There's so much crazy stuff with this movie. You're right. You know, just try to redouble your efforts, or, I don't know, try to kick him or something. I mean, any, spit on him. I mean, anything. He just is there. He realizes that his powers are waning, and you don't even really understand what is happening, where... It doesn't look like the ring is affecting Flash at all. It's not like Flash is trying to struggle against and is like slowly overpowering him. It's Flash has the sword, he charges at him, he realizes there's no effect, and then Flash does a little head fake taunt of him. Yep. That's actually a little weird for Flash. Well, so, you know, you know, obviously we, we, we've done this uh, movie, you know, with The Place of Love, even when we're goofing on it and, and we're criticizing it. It's all, it's all coming from, you know, how much we love this movie. But if I have one legitimate, real criticism of this movie, it really is that there is no final battle between the hero and the antagonist. Um, and... You know, we talked about this last week, you know, that the, the, the physical attributes of Max von Sydow and Sam Jones obviously would have made it a little tough to stage a, a, a real, like, you know, punching in the face kind of thing or a sword battle like the characters did in the comic strips. But 
you know, just something for just a minute or two of, you know, Ming using the ring, uh, you know, Flash having to overcome the power of the ring, some kind of face-to-face confrontation that could be, quote-unquote, the final battle. Um, To me, there's something lacking that you don't get a final, that it just turns into, it's a bit of an anticlimactic thing that Flash crashes the, the ship in, it's kind of, you know... You could argue he was aiming for Ming, or it was luck that you know that he stabbed it through Ming, and then Flash jumps out, holds up the sword, and Ming just gives up. Uh, it, it, so to me, it, it's it's like the one legitimate criticism that I do have of this movie. Yeah, th- there's ways, that, and geez, I, and also it's weird because of the way we do this because we're you know doing this one minute at a time, but you actually forget. Oh yeah, Ming was run through by the the. Uh, the needle of the ship. You actually forget that um, because he's not even grabbing his chest or anything. It, it, but they could have made this work. Yeah, you know, Max von Sydow versus Sam Jones doesn't seem a fair fight. But all you need to do is have Flash banged up or limping, getting out of the ship, and Ming having a sword and establish it somewhere that he's better with a sword and he's also not as beat up. Sure. Um, it would have taken a little bit of reconfiguring, and you wouldn't have that great getting run through by the needle of the ship. But yeah, it it, it is. It does. You do miss that final showdown, and I understand. There's you see movies where they really have to stretch to make that happen. Uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger basically spent his entire action movie career them trying to figure out ways to make it look like a fair fight when he was three times the size of his bad guys. Oh, yeah, like Commando um, is the one jumping right into my mind. He, the, the, the slightly overweight uh, Bennett fighting Schwarzenegger in the steam room there at the end. Uh, that, I know, that, that fight should have been over in ten seconds. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was a rid- <laughs> That's a really classic example because, yeah, the, the, the guy who was fighting, and not a big, tall, strapping guy, but... They, they they dressed him in a way, first off, they put him in a sleeveless shirt to show off that there isn't, like, an ounce of definition on his arms. <laughs> and then it's made him look like he had a pot belly. And it's like, oh, that's the guy? That's... And, and there's Arnold, shirtless, looking amazing. I was like, well, this this doesn't seem like a fair fight, even a little bit. I remember there was, um, and as has been established earlier in the run of the show, you've never watched a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. Oh, we we corrected that. It turns out I did see the the GI Joe sequel where he plays Roadblock. Uh, if if you want to call that a a Dwayne Johnson movie, right? That's that's just a movie that he was in. Yeah, yeah. One of the earlier movies um, where they were you know trying to establish the Rock as an action star was Walking Tall, and it, the bad guy in it was Neil McDonough, who's a very good actor who's played a lot of bad guys. Uh, he was the bad guy in a season of The Flash. He was a bad guy in a season of Justified. Um, and he, he has a great look, and he has these really, like, uh, almost ghostly light blue eyes. So he's a really effective bad guy, but he's not a physical specimen like The Rock. Right. So the final fight is... These two fighting, I was like, well, that doesn't seem fair at all. <laughs> that poor that poor guy. And he's about 10, he's supposed to be playing the same age as The Rock, and he's obviously 10, 15 years old. It's like one punch, and that old poor old man's going to die. So, uh, yeah, it, 
but you can make it work just by getting the one character hurt. So that's what they did in Walking Tall. The the Rock was hurt, and Neil McDonough had an axe. So that it's pretty sad. That's what it takes to make a fair fight. It's like okay, break the Rock's leg, and here's an axe. Okay, now you got a chance, but we're still not believing it. So. Uh, what else do we have in uh, 105 after the suicide? After the suicide, which, by the way, doesn't phase Flash in the least. I mean, what he's seen in the last three, four days, you know, uh, someone dematerializing themselves into a piece of jewelry. It's just, it just fits right in with the insanity that this guy has witnessed in the last three, four days. It'd be great if he finishes off with like a short, he's like, yeah, seems about right. <laughs> and I want to state that uh, for the final time, uh, we, we, we missed it that it started in the last minute and it continues here right up until Ming's death. The final Howard Blake music cue, we made it all the way up to number 41 uh, in this uh, final uh, last couple of minutes of the movie. We hadn't had much of Howard Blake in the last 20 minutes or so. It's been almost all queen for the uh, climactic battle uh, of the movie. We get one last uh, note from our buddy Howard here at the end. God bless Howard Blake. He's, he's the best. He, he really is the best. Um, you know, I, I I hope we've done enough justice to uh, just the great work he's done. So good, good on Howard Blake. Yeah. And speaking of old friends, another old friend returns after we haven't seen him in a very long time. The Psycho Flying Death Orb is back. Yes, it is. It is back, and apparently it's been listed. The Psycho Flying Death Orb hears it all. And apparently it heard all the talk of Flash saying how everyone should team up. Because it's solidly on Team Flash. Well, you know what? We had Baron have a very quick turn to Flash's side. Aura had a very quick turn to Flash's side. It, it just shows how none but the pure at heart you know, can, can get all of these boring factions together. Uh, and get the even the Psycho Flying Death Orb joining his side. And I got to say, before they know, though, that it's on their side, so everyone's like, oh, look out, you know, Flash, don't move. Uh, you know, Why not? I mean, Baron's got a gun. Voltan's got a gun. Let me just blast the thing to pieces. Why Why are they? Baron even moves in next to Flash, pointing the gun at him. And, I, and I'd like to add, Voltan does not move in next to Flash, by the way. <laughs> just shoot the thing. Why are they even standing there and giving it a chance to vaporize everyone? Because they don't know that it's switched sides yet. And why? Why? It's a great moment, and then you do get that cool, you know, you know, fish tank view of Flash, <laughs> and that's that's great. And but but why? There's no reason this this machine should suddenly be saying "Hail Flash" and you saved Earth and all that. It's like, eh. well, unless it's concerned. If if it ha- maybe it has a form of sentience, a la the Star Wars droids, and it's afraid that you know, hmm, I was obviously Ming and Clytus's death machine, and they have now destroyed Clytus and Ming, and they're taking over. Uh, I don't want to be destroyed. Uh, oh, uh, you you guys are awesome. I guess that's it. It'd be great. Uh, was it on Doctor Who? They have the uh, the Daleks, and uh, which are these you know big, basically rolling turrets, and then they have showed that there's monsters like alien monster creatures inside them. Uh, so it'd be great if they just like popped open the top at one point just to see little evil 
you know, tentacle creatures. But yeah, he, he uh, but Flash, he has one over the Psycho Death Orbs. Here's the thing. These are two, two threats that were presented at the beginning of this movie are taken care of with striking ease. So much of the early part of the movie when we first meet Ming is about his, you know, hypno ring. And it ends up not being any threat to Flash at all. And then also the flying death orbs, which really quickly wants to make friends with Flash. It, it, uh, <laughs> these are two things that I really would have thought would have been bigger challenges at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, actually, that, that's a without you even realizing it, you've set up a great segue for me there, Brad, because speaking of big challenges that are resolved very easily, the whole major plot of the movie is saving the Earth. And the Psycho Flying Death Orb indeed does tell Flash you have saved your Earth. Now, Ming did die before the countdown clock hit zero, but it was only by a few seconds. So Ming obviously did not ever call off the attack, um, so does Ming just dying, did that, just the fact that Ming is dead, does that end the attack? Which if so, it's, it's very strange. And even if Ming's death does end the attack, the whole plot was the moon is going to crash into earth. So if the moon stops four seconds before crashing into the earth, it, it, that's not how astronomy and physics work. Even if the moon literally stopped four seconds before making contact with the Earth, the Earth would be destroyed anyway. The, 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 the pull on the tidal waves and the effect on gravity, I mean, the Earth would be screwed anyway. So I feel like, you know, we're, we're missing something here that it was maybe the countdown clock wasn't to when the Earth actually was going to be hit by the moon. Maybe it was when the moon was going to pass the point of no return, that once the clock strikes zero, the moon was at a point that that's it. It's too, you, you won't be able to stop it anymore. Uh, so we got a couple of outstanding questions here. One, how exactly did the attack stop? And two, what exactly did that countdown to zero really mean? It's, we suffer the curse of knowing too much. And there's been too many articles about how in Return of the Jedi, how the, 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 the Death Star exploding on Endor's atmosphere would still destroy all life on Endor. Right. Uh, the, the Ewoks, folks, if you don't like the Ewoks, don't worry, they're all dead. Um, and heck, the, the major plot point of Avengers Age of Ultron was if you lift up a city and then let it go... If it's high enough, there's enough impact, that would be a catastrophic occurrence, enough to basically wipe out the human race. Right. Yeah. You can't move the moon out of orbit. Just that enough is enough will cause problems. This is all stuff that could have been taken care of with just a line or two of dialogue. All Ming had to do was say, I don't know, say something where there's no way to stop the attack, uh, the commander, the device that sets the attack is attached, is attached to my heart or something. Right. Some sort sure. of malarkey sci-fi stuff that I've heard all the time. So they, they, they could have done something, but I guess they know that everyone's going to assume it's like, well, the bad guy's dead. I guess all the problems are gone. So yeah, uh, lazy script writing. 
but all they really want is they just want to have the scene. It's all leading up to Flash doing a jump and freeze. Yeah, which, by the way, was improvised. Uh, no one could figure out how to end the scene, so Sam Jones just jumped up and screamed, yeah, into the fishbowl camera. It's very cool. I think they made a mistake. And don't get me wrong, I certainly love stuff that happens in the next two minutes, but if that would have been the final scene, the final image, him jumping up in the freeze frame, that would have been great. Hit him hmm. jump up, and then there's the flash music. It's almost like if you're going to have that moment, that should be the last moment of the movie. Um, if not, you just shouldn't have it because it was a weird freeze frame where he jumps, it freezes, and then it immediately goes into the next scene. Yeah, and now the problem is because they had a shot that we will get to uh, later on this week, they couldn't end the movie on this specific shot because of that shot they wanted to have as the last shot of the movie. Uh, and so I guess there needed to be a transition in between those two shots. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff. There's still a little bit of plot that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but we're, we're, we've pretty much reached a denouement of this particular epic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we get uh, uh, Queen, of course. Flash's theme reprise, parentheses, victory celebrations, written by Brian May right after the Jumping, yeah. Uh, we click. We kick back into uh, another Queen song as uh, our heroes emerge into what was once Ming's Great Hall and now is I don't know uh, the People's Hall of the Republic of Mongo or whatever. And a, a cool little uh, visual uh, touch here in the background. You uh, on either side of the stage that got giant Ming head statues, and on one of them someone's written Ming is dead. And on the other one, in a very nice and subtle callback to earlier in the movie, someone has drawn in tears dripping out of one of the statue's eyes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the little things. This movie does big things really good, and it does some little things really good. Sometimes the medium-sized things they have trouble with. The only thing I got left is, uh, I, I, I've said before that I love when this has happened in our minute-by-minute minute breakdown. I like when a really good line of dialogue cuts right in the middle so you're not exactly sure if you're watching this minute-by-minute minute what's going on or what's going to be said. Voltent says, Baron is the... And then the minute ends, and so we're going to have to wait for tomorrow to find out what exactly Baron is. Yeah, yeah. I hope he says something nice uh, and, and not something like, Double parked! <laughs> Baron is the jerk I've been trying to kill for the last 20 years, and now I'm going to do it. There would have been a twist ending. That would have been a twist ending. All right, well, uh, this is a good first minute of the week. And, uh, well, Eric, why don't we, um, where can people find out more about Flash Gordon Minute? Well, we're still on Facebook, folks, just because the movie's almost over. We're not going away, so we're in the Flash Gordon Minute listener's vortex. We are on Twitter, Flash Gordon Pod. And we have an email address, of course, flashcordandminute at gmail.com. And it's not too late to give us ratings and reviews on iTunes because, uh, hey, you know what? We're getting so close to the end, people can join us, and then they can just binge listen to us all a weekend. They could just make a weekend out of it. Yeah, sure. What have we got? It's going to be in, what, 111, 112 episodes, figure about a half hour per uh, 50, all right, uh, two and a half days if, if you don't sleep. Uh, actually, uh, over the past weekend, uh, Eric, I was, uh, working on putting, uh, flooring in my daughter's room and I, I have a little, um, a speaker that uh, hooks up wirelessly to my iPod and I, I just listened to a bunch of, uh, Flash Gordon Minute because here's the thing, folks, I'm too busy editing these episodes together. Sometimes I don't listen to them for a little bit. I'm way behind on my listening. <laughs> 
gosh, we've had some wonderful guests, and uh, it's been really, uh, you know, we, we've done some fun stuff, and it's, uh, I feel like it was right, right around minute 35, um, I, I even went back a little further and re-listened to some. I think it was around minute 35 that we really were clicking with all cylinders. It, this has always been a fun show, but we finally had it completely figured out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this is, uh, hey, folks, invite your friends. Uh, tell them to binge listen, or just go back and give it another listen. You'd be, you'll be surprised what you hear and uh, how the show has grown. But while you're doing that, uh, you know, we're going to come back tomorrow uh, I, I I do have a I do have a concern, Eric. Yeah, is it about the fact that we forgot to book a guest? Eh, it's 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 okay. Th- these minutes are ours. I think we've earned these. We have. Uh, no, my concern is uh, as we're recording this, it was just announced they have picked a director for a Flash Gordon reboot. Oh yes, yes, yes. And my worry is people are going to expect us to do this all over again for another movie, and uh, I, I just don't think I have it in me. Uh, yeah, uh, if 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 you're afraid that we are contractually obligated to do any other Flash Gordon property whatsoever other than this movie, uh, I say, oh, no, 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 no. Flash will definitely save both of us. Attention, listeners. Follow us on Twitter on Flash Gordon Pod. Join the conversation on Facebook in the Flash Gordon Listener's Vortex. Stay tuned for the next thrilling episode of Flash Gordon Minute. She's a very kinky girl, the kind you won't take home to mother. She will never let your spirits down. Once you get her off the street She likes the boys in the band She says that I'm her long time favorite When I make my move to the room It's the right time She's never hard to please That girl's a super freak Super freak Freak be super freaky Special girl, from her head down to her toenails, and she wait for me on backstage there with her girlfriends in a limousine. Girl is pretty wild now. That girl's a super freak. Kind of girl you read about in a Oh, I'm waiting When I 
get 